morning, Abundant Life Church. How you guys doing? Good, good. Well, hey, I want to welcome you. So glad you guys are here today. My name is Bob Tim. Like uh, Aaron mentioned, I am the lead student pastor. So I have the privilege of overseeing all of our student ministries across the campuses uh, from middle school, high school, college. Love what I do. Love students. I think we've got a few of them in this service. Um, love, love what I do. And typically on Sunday mornings, I'm across the hall uh, teaching in the student services or I'll be at one of the campuses. Uh, such a joy and a pleasure, though, to be here with you guys this morning. Uh, really excited about this series that we're in. Uh, we're going to be continuing our summer series. We're going through the book of Hebrews. Uh, so if you've got those journals, go ahead, pull those out. If you want to follow along and take notes, uh, we're going to be in week four of our journals today. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn those to Hebrews Chapter 5. We're going to be in Hebrews 5. And I want to start us off with a question. Have you guys ever struggled to teach someone something? You know, maybe it was something that you were passionate about. Maybe it was something important, and you're trying to teach it to someone else. They just didn't get it, though. It was a struggle. And maybe you're looking at someone that you came with today. Maybe it's a parent or, or, a, or a son or a daughter, and it's like, yeah, I've tried to teach them something, but they, they're just not getting it. Uh, I had a, a professor of mine in college uh, he would say when it comes to studying for something, that you should get to the point where you feel like you could teach that to someone else. And whatever it is that you're studying, if you can teach it to someone else, you're going to be fine. On the test or whatever it is, you're going to do just fine. And I think that works because in order to teach someone else something, we need to clearly understand it ourselves. Uh, my wife and I were watching a show. I think we found a good illustration of this. Uh, the, the lead character in the show, he has this photographic memory. And in one scene, he explains how it works. He says, it's not like you would think. I don't just take a snapshot of something and then I remember it. He says, no, I, I learn something. I read something. I study it. I get to understand it. And once I understand something, then I never forget it. You know, that line stuck with me. Once I understand something, then I never forget it. But even when we reach that level of understanding with something, even if we really get it, it can be still difficult to teach that to someone else. It can still be difficult to share it with someone else. Uh, I thought about this in the context of music lessons. You know, I, I've done music lessons for a long time. I give guitar lessons and voice lessons and piano lessons. And I, I love doing it. But beyond just the playing of an instrument, I, I'm a big nerd when it comes to music theory. I love hearing about why chords sound the way they do, why music sound, sounds the way it does. I love the theory, the nuts and bolts kind of behind it. And sometimes when I'm trying to teach this to a student, it doesn't come across the way that I want it to. You know, sometimes they just don't get it. And so I've got my friend Greg. Uh, he's our piano player this morning. And I've got Greg. He's going to help me out with this. Thank you so much, Greg. Um, give it to us. He's, he's going to help me illustrate this. Uh, one of my favorite kinds of chords, okay, when it comes to music, by far, it's this. If I had to choose one, it would be this one, by far. Uh, my professor used to uh, refer to these. These are, this is his words, not mine. Uh, he would call them sexy seventh chords. And, and you'll see why in just a second, but you, gotta, you just got to strap up because this is, this is like the element of music right here, okay, this chord. So, Greg, would you just go ahead, give us, give us a D, F sharp, A, just like a regular D chord. And then just play those all together. Yeah, see, it's, this is what music is built upon, right? This is a D chord. It's important. But now, now, Greg, just give us that C sharp on top, all right? Give us that seven. Let's turn this into a seventh chord. Oh. 
now, now we have music, right? Let me just give you one more because I'm a little, I'm a, again, I'm a music theory nerd. Um, give, us, give us a D sus. So give us the regular D again. Regular D. Right? Sounds good, D chord. But now trade the F sharp for the G. Make it a sus chord. Oh, the sus, it's just, that G's just hanging up there and it wants to come down and resolve. Isn't that, isn't that nice? Give it up for Greg. Thank you so much, Greg. Yeah, so I'll, I'll be trying to teach the theory behind these chords. I'm, I'm like, the, the one in the seven, in that seventh chord, there's this, really, there's this really nice dissonance between those two notes. It creates this unique tension in the chord, and it creates this wonderful sound that you're hearing. And at some point, they'll interrupt me, like, I just want to learn how to play the chord. Just show me how to play the chord. I don't need to know the, the nulls and bolts behind it. But it, it can be difficult to teach someone something, even if it's, if it's something that you're passionate about, that you really care about. It can be tough to get that across to them. You know, have you ever tried to teach someone something and they just didn't get it? Or maybe on the flip side of that, someone, you know, maybe has tried to teach you something and you didn't get it. Uh, this happens to me sometimes with my father-in-law. You know, I, I love hanging out with my father-in-law. Uh, he's got, he's just a wealth of knowledge, knows all this stuff about all these different kinds of topics. And so we'll hang out and I'll always learn something in those conversations together. And every time we hang out, it's some topic that I'll learn something. Uh, but specifically when it comes to the topic of being handy. All right, let me, before I make myself look bad, let me just brag on myself a little bit, okay? When it comes to being handy around the house, since moving to Oregon, I've come a long way. All right, I, I've replaced my floors, I've replaced a toilet, I've replaced appliances, I've done this all by myself with the help of my father-in-law, you know, via the phone and, and interwebs and all that stuff. But I, I've done this myself. When it comes to being handy in, in the context of a car, though, I'm not, not great, all right? I'm not great, and I'm, I'm a little bit embarrassed by it. But my father-in-law knows he can fix anything on a car, no problem. He's got all the tools, and I, I'll sometimes be hanging out with him, and he'll be doing this complex repair, and he'll be trying to share with me, oh, this is how you do it. And, oh, and can I have that tool, and can we do that? And I, I've got no idea what you're talking about, Dad. I, I don't know it. I don't know it. And so sometimes we can be on the flip side of that, where someone's trying to teach us something, and we just don't get it. Our passage in Hebrews today the writer is going to be expressing frustration with those reading because he's trying to teach them something, and it, it's something really important, way more important than music theory or, or cars, how to fix a car. Uh, he's trying to teach them really fundamental truths about who Jesus is. They're just not getting it. And so he's expressing his frustration with them. Uh, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 5. We're going to start out in verse 11. As we get ready to jump into the text, let's just pray together. Uh, God, as, uh, we, as we look to your word this morning, God, I pray uh, that you would teach us. God, I, I think that you have someone for uh, something for everybody in this room. So God, as we turn to your word, would you just give us eyes to see you? God, would you give us ears to hear you? Would you give us hearts that are ready to receive from you? Uh, God, we pray that you would speak to each and every one of us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So start with me in Hebrews 5, verse 11. The writer says, we have much to say about this, and, and you should be asking much to say about what, we'll get to that. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. So he starts off, hey, we've, we've got much to say about this, and, and you should be asking, much to say about what? Well, last week, Pastor Jeremy started us off in Hebrews 4, we were talking about Sabbath rest. And when that passage ends, a new passage begins that leads into our passage today. 
And that section is super important because it's the this about which the writer of Hebrews has much to say. So I'm just going to look back at the last chapter, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. It's a little section that kind of sets up what we're talking about today. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest, section's all about the high priest. And put simply, the high priest is just a mediator between God and man. If you want a relationship with God, uh, they would have said you have to go through the high priest. And this one's different, though, because we have a high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. No, no, no. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. I think we could spend a whole message just on that. When it comes to our high priest, it's not one who doesn't understand what you're going through. It's one who has perfectly been through what we're experiencing. You know, he can, he can uh, wrestle with us because he's been tempted in every way just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then, because of this, approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In chapter 5, it just continues this theme of high priest. It talks all about the qualifications of a high priest, the expectations of a high priest. And what we see is that over and over, every single high priest who has come before Jesus, there's been two huge problems. One, they have their own personal sin that, they, that they're wrestling with. You know, when, when they make sacrifices to God on behalf of the people, they're not just making the sacrifice on behalf of the people, they're also making it for themselves. What we learn about Jesus is that he didn't sin. His sacrifice is solely on behalf of the people. And not only that, uh, they also had the need for ongoing sacrifices. It, it wasn't just a one and done back then, but year after year, the high priest would have to make these sacrifices again and again, over and over. What we learn about Jesus is that his sacrifice is once for all. And I won't go too much into that because that's later in Hebrews, so I don't want to spoil it. But what we've seen so far in this book of Hebrews over and over is that the past has led to something better. The past has led to something better. In the past, God established the high priest. He said it's a good thing. Uh, this is going to connect God and people. But Jesus was the ultimate fulfillment of it. He was the perfect high priest, the perfect mediator between God and and man, and this is the truth that our passage today is built on. Our passage is, is the writer trying to go deep into this topic about the high priest. He says, I have so much to say about this to you, but did you catch the problem? They're not getting it, and the worst part is the reason they're not getting it. You know, look back at verse 11. Ah, so much to say about this. I can't make it clear to you, though, because you no longer try to understand you know, if you've got your Bibles, you might want to underline that. Or if you've got your devices out, you might want to highlight that because you no longer try to understand. I, I can empathize with this on a, small, on a small level. I talked about giving music lessons. Uh, I can't tell you in my career of doing music lessons how many times I've had students who it's clear to me that their parents are just making them do lessons. It's, it's just completely forced. They show up with me. They're, they're, they just seem disinterested and disengaged. They're kind of going through the motions of it. They go home. They clearly don't practice. And then week after week after week, it's just the same story. Where we're just not getting anywhere. They're not getting it. You know, it's clear that they are no longer trying to understand. And this is a conversation on, on spiritual maturity. But I think before we move there, I think we can just reflect on, man, what areas of our life? Are we just no longer trying to understand? 
You know, what areas of our life have we just said, hey, this is the best it's going to get? I, I don't need to even try to understand anymore. You know, have you ever met someone who's no longer trying to understand? You know, I don't think we have to think too hard. Either the person who they just, they, they have it all together, at least they think they do, they don't, they don't need any help, don't even bother giving them advice. Or, or the flip side of that, the person who clearly does not have it all together, but they don't even care, they're just not even trying to understand. I, I think we can all think of that person, but what if we did the hard work to look at ourselves and say, man, in, in what areas of my life am I no longer trying to understand? You know, where is this true about me? You know, what if we said in, in our marriages, where are we just no longer trying to understand? In, in our jobs, in our relationships, in our, in our schools, you know, parents w- with your kids and, and kids with your parents, where, where have we just stopped trying to understand? If this idea is true about us spiritually, if this is our spiritual condition, that we are just people, when it comes to God, we're just not even trying to understand anymore. It's an issue, and it's a really slippery slope. Keep reading in verse 12. The writer goes on to say, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. Now, at this point, I think there's a little bit of offense taken. Right? This is a confrontational conversation. Uh, this is what we would call at ALC an open-handed conversation. Uh, one of our staff leadership axioms is that we want to embrace open-handed conversations. And and we would define that as one that's just uh, when I want to call someone out on something, if I want to challenge somebody on something, uh, we would have an open-handed conversation. And we'll literally sit in those with with our palms up. It just shows a posture that, hey, I want to receive from you. I want to hear what you have to say. Like, how can can I grow? Like, let me me hear from you. What do you have to say? And and we'll literally do that together. But it's open-handed. It's difficult. It's not an easy conversation, and that's what we're having here. This is confrontational. He's saying, hey, you guys should be teachers by now, but instead you need to be retaught the elementary truths. And the, the language implies that they need to go all the way back to the beginning. They, they need to start over. It made me think of The Incredibles. Anybody seen The Incredibles 2 yet? I'm not going to spoil it, I promise, because it's a fantastic movie. My wife and I went. We were the only two adults in the theater without kids there, but it was amazing. I can't recommend this movie enough. But there's one scene in the movie where Mrs. Incredible, she's off fighting the crime, and Mr. Incredible, he's a stay-at-home dad, all right? And he's, he's doing homework with his son. He's trying to help his son with his math homework, and, and it's not going well. Uh, the son at one point says, Dad, I, this isn't how we do math anymore. We, we do it differently. And the dad's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? He's like, yeah, we, we do math. Like, this is not the way we do it anymore. And, and Mr. Incredible is like, how do they change math? Like, how, how is math different than it, than it used to? And I have to say, this is actually true. I was helping my sister with math before we moved out to Chicago, or from Chicago out here to Portland. And it's, it's legitimately true. They've changed the way they do math. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. But I, I literally needed to go back to the beginning, go back to the basics. And Mr. Incredible, in the show, he goes back to the beginning. And it, it's funny when it's the Incredibles, but when in this conversation, it's spiritually, hey, you should be a teacher by now, but instead, you need to go back to the beginning, back to the basics. They need to start over. And, and I think when we hear that word teacher, I think, I think some of us may think, oh, I'm not, I'm exempt from that. Oh, that's not talking about me. 
Uh, but I think the word teacher here means something very different than what we think about. I, I don't think it's talking about getting up on the stage and, and preaching a sermon. Uh, I think the challenge to be a teacher here is not just a challenge to a few people. I, I think this is a challenge to the community, a, a challenge to the collective. Uh, the context here seems like you all should be teachers by now, but instead you're being retaught the elementary truths. And so if you've been following Jesus for a while, and I'm not going to define a while, I don't, I don't know what that means. Uh, I can say if you're new to following Jesus or you're not yet following Jesus, that you're exempt from this challenge. Uh, this, this confrontational conversation, uh, you're exempt from it. But if you've been following Jesus for a while, the challenge here is to be a teacher. And I think the challenge to be a teacher is twofold. I think this applies across the board, and I think it's twofold. At first, I think we must be people who are consuming. I think we need to be people who are consuming. You know, the writer says, hey, you're no longer trying to understand. I think it speaks to our desire. We have to have the desire to want to understand, to want to learn, to want to grow more, to want to take in information to consume. And so if that's you, I just want to make a quick plug. We have our Global Leadership Summit coming up August 9th and 10th. And what an amazing opportunity that's going to be to consume, to take in information about God, especially in the context of leadership. I think it's going to be an incredible event. But we need to be consuming. I, I don't think we can stop there, though. If we stop and we're just consuming, I don't think we're being transformed into teachers. I think we need to make the next step. I think we need to be people who are also doing I think we need to take our faith and take what we're learning, take all our consumption, and we need to actually do something with it. We need to allow it to transform us, to change us, and then we need to practically exercise it and live it out. Uh, a pastor by the name of Silas Johnson, he says that unfortunately many Christians accumulate knowledge but never assimilate it. He, he says we take it in, we, we accumulate it, we consume but we don't allow, us, allow it to change us, to really affect us, to call us into action. You know, I've heard this referred to as spiritual obesity, where we can just consume information about God, but not actually do anything with it. And if we just think about this practically in life, I think it makes sense, right? We need a healthy balance in life of consuming and doing. I'm watching my wife right now train for the Chicago Marathon. And, and it's crazy to me, if I'm honest with you. She'll get home in the morning. She'll get, she'll get back from her run in the morning at like 9 a.m. And, hey, I just ran 12 miles. <laughs> what? I think I did a few push-ups this week. Um, but she, she's, I'm watching her do all of this stuff. And, and if she's not super intentional to be consuming as well, it's not going to go well for her. You know, we can't just do in life without consuming. We need to have a health, healthy balance of the two. The flip side of that is we need to uh, be doing as well. We can't just consume and consume in life without doing. You know, how many times have you heard the phrase uh, echoed in church that, oh, I'm not being fed enough. I'm not being fed enough. And I'd say maybe that's true, but I, I would challenge that with a, what are you doing with what you have been fed, with what you have consumed? You know, practically in life, we've, we've got to balance these two well. And so when it comes to the area of doing, it's the awesome thing about being part of a church. There, there are so many opportunities here at ALC to plug in, to exercise your faith, to demonstrate, put into action what you've been learning. You know, let me just pick a, a ministry, a random one off the top of my head. Um, let's just say um, student ministries. <laughs> some, some got that. 
Uh, I, don't, I don't care if you're in your 20s or your 70s. There are opportunities in student ministries for you to exercise your faith, to be a teacher, to demonstrate what you've, what you've been learning, what you've been consuming, to live it out on behalf of students, to, to show the next generation. Or, or kids ministry. Again, I don't care your age or you know, students. You can serve in, in kids ministry. You can demonstrate your faith. Show what you've been learning to the next generation. You know, one more, I could literally go on and on and on. We have so many awesome ministries here that are good for your gifting, your passions, your skill sets. Uh, but I just thought of this morning, I was looking at the parking team, and I'm like, man, I can't fathom a better response to, you know, serve in, in parking. Like, what more demonstrates a pursuit of Jesus than serving outside in this heat, parking cars? I, I just thought that was incredible. Again, I'm from Chicago. I can deal with negative 20 degrees and, and the wind coming off the lake. That's fine, but heat, I'm not great. And you guys don't do air conditioning out here too, which is, whew. But that's, that's just a, a few examples. You know, where, where in your life are you, are you doing? And, and do you have a balance of those? Are, are you consuming? Are you taking in? Do you have a desire to, to learn? And, and are you doing? Are, are you living it out? Uh, it's really interesting to me that this section comes directly after the section on rest. You know, Pastor Jeremy talked last week on the topic of rest, and, and he said that we often think of rest as just doing nothing. Right? We're just doing nothing, I'm resting. And, and what, he, what he taught on was that, that rest is, does not mean doing nothing. And the paradox to me here is that the restful life, the Sabbath life, consists of giving ourselves in this way, allowing God to use us, and somehow we're satisfied in that, we're filled up, and that when we become this, this teacher, you know, so are, are you allowing yourself to be used by God? Have you become a teacher? Are you taking steps toward becoming a teacher? Or are you continuing over and over in the basics? Now, I have to be honest. If the audience at this point was not already offended by this confrontational conversation, just put your seatbelts on. Okay, we're going to finish the passage, uh, verses 12, the end of 12 to 14. And uh, he's going he's gonna to take it to the next level. He says, you need milk, not solid food. I don't know of a bigger insult than that. Oh, wait, here it comes. Uh, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So the writer here, uh, he puts an analogy on this conversation. You know, are you a teacher or are you going over and over in the basics? And, and he uses this analogy. He says, are you drinking milk or are you eating meat? And if this was a physical conversation, this would be a really easy diagnosis. If you wanted to know, hey, am I drinking milk or am I eating meat? This is easy. Like you would see an adult person drinking a baby bottle of milk and you would say, that's a problem. We need, we need to address that. Like, hey, give me that. Here's a steak. The problem is solved. That's it. But this is, this is not a physical conversation. This is a spiritual conversation. And my, my honest diagnosis is that I think we're pretty bad when it comes to self-diagnosis, when it comes to being critical of ourselves. I think we typically lean to one of two extremes. You know, we're trying to be critical of where we're honestly at. I think we can either lean to the extreme where we just lack the ability to be critical, to be honest. You know, I think some of us, when, when we see a fault in our lives or, or we see some spiritual immaturity, we can be quick to rationalize it, justify it, explain it away. You know, if, if I'm honest, I definitely lean more this way. You know, my wife has, has caught me with the phrase, well, here's why. Here's why, oh, that, oh, here's, here's why I do that. 
you know? And, and luckily, when it comes to me and my lack of the ability to, to be critical of myself, luckily I have my wife who <laughs> rebukes and corrects me. And it always goes well, let me tell you. <laughs> At least the next day. The, the flip side of this, though, you know, maybe we lack the ability to be critical. I think the flip side is, man, we're hypercritical. You know, I, I'm, I'm not good enough. I, I need to be better. I need to be doing more. I'm just, I'm not going to be good enough. And, and I think that's unhealthy as well. My, my wife would lean more this way. You know, she's always thinking, oh, I got to do better. Yeah, that, that wasn't great. I, I got to do this one better next time. I got I to do more. And, and, and maybe... You know, maybe that's the case. If you're evaluating, man, where am I at? Am I drinking milk? Am I eating? I mean, maybe you do need to be pushed along and pushed more towards meat, but maybe you just need to be encouraged. You know, maybe you are doing well. So if that's you, I would recommend just having an honest prayer with God. God, where, where am I really at? Give me a clear picture of myself and where I'm doing well and, and where I can grow. Again, this, this would be much easier if it was a physical conversation. See someone drinking a baby bottle. Hey, let's, let's take care of that. Let's address that. This is, this is much more difficult. And while it seems black and white, it seems like, hey, I'm either drinking milk or I'm drinking meat. I, I think this is much less black and white, and, and I think this is a progression from one to the other. I, I think this is a progression where we move from milk to meat, which really begs the question, I think. I think that's what we're talking about here is how do we make this move? How do we move from milk to meat? Yeah, there's, there's one phrase in the text right there at the end that I think clearly shows us what our response should be. If you're someone who's saying, man, I, I want to continue in this progression. I, I want to move more towards spiritual maturity. I want to move from milk to meat. Look back with me. It's at verse 14. And I want you to underline the phrase constant use. Constant use. It's solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Constant use. I was looking at this word a lot this week because this is the only time in all of Scripture that this word appears that gets translated constant use. You know, when Jeremy launched this series, he talked about how this book was eloquently written, super well written, and we see that here. It's the only time this word appears. And it gets translated constant use, but it can get translated so many different ways across the different translations. One translation says by exercising, which I thought was a really good word. But the reality is, I mean, it could be constant use, but this could be a, a habitual practice, you know, an ongoing connection. And, and it, it really, I mean, it begs the question, you know, ongoing connection, habitual practice, like ongoing connection to what? You know, it seems like if we, need, if we want to move from milk to meat, we need this habitual practice, this ongoing connection. The, the question is, to what? Oh, that's why I, I brought up that passage in the middle. I mean, what leads directly into this is a conversation on the high priest. This is a passage that comes right out of a passage that's talking about Jesus. And right up front in our passage, I don't know if you caught it, but it said the word of God. And, and I think it could be talking about the word of God as scripture, but I think much more likely... This is the context here is the word of God, the person of Jesus. You know, if you, want, if you want to move from milk to meat, we need ongoing connection with the word of God. We need constant use. 
And should we engage in constant use when it comes to Scripture? I would argue absolutely. We learn so much about who God is, what he's done. We, we learn about what he thinks about us. We learn about what pleases God. We are challenged in Scripture. We, we grow in Scripture. We're encouraged by Scripture. I think, I think it's great, but I think the context here is much less about Scripture and much more about Jesus. I think the challenge here to move from milk to meat, it goes beyond a constant pursuit of, of the word of God. I think it goes more towards the word of God, Jesus. I think the constant use we need to engage in is a constant pursuit of the person, Jesus, not just the teachings about him. We need to constantly pursue Jesus. I had a mentor of mine. I came to faith a little bit later in life. I was 19, and I had a mentor of mine. He would, he would say that life is like a cafeteria tray. You ever, you ever seen these old, these old trays? I don't know if we still use them anymore. But it's got all the different sections, right? And, and you would go, you go through the cafeteria line, you get all your food. And he would talk, and again, me as a 19-year-old kid, I'm like, cafeteria tray, I don't get it. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. But he would explain it, and he would say, well, no, 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 think about it. You go through the cafeteria line, and you get your, like, mashed potatoes in one section. You got your meat in one section and your, your vegetables. And if you're like me, like, nothing can touch anything, I don't know, anybody, anybody like me? All right, a few. Last service, there was no one like me. Don't be ashamed. Nothing can touch anything. And, and he said, life is often like that. You know, we, we have like, we have our work, we have our family, and we have our friends, and, and then maybe this group of friends, and, and like that group of friends that no one really talks about. And then our faith is there too. And we can compartmentalize all these, and, and they don't interact with each other. And he said, sometimes, yeah, we can, we can just do that with our faith too. Like, like our faith can be just one of these many areas of life. And, and what he challenged me with, and I'll never forget it, it was so impactful for me early on. It was Jesus needs to be like the gravy that just permeates everything on the plate. And we need to invite him into everything, pursue him in everything. And, and again, me as a 19-year-old kid, I'm embarrassed about it, but I responded by saying, I don't really like gravy. I just remember the conversation. <laughs> I was terrible. Um, but that stuck with me. We need to constantly pursue Jesus in all areas of life. And, and I, think, I think this is what we learn. If we want to move from milk to meat, we must engage in a constant pursuit of Jesus. In a constant pursuit of Jesus. And, and so when it comes to this topic of spiritual growth, I, I would encourage you, don't try to go from A to Z overnight. Don't try and just get to spiritual maturity from milk to meat. I've landed, I'm there. I would challenge you, what's one step that you can take? What's one step that you can take toward a more constant pursuit of Jesus? We have this thing in student ministries that we call No Show Grow. It's a leadership training tool that we use, and we want all of our leaders to be participating in this. And it's really, it simplifies ministry for us. It just says, get to know your students, show them that you care about them, and then help them grow spiritually. It's a really simple process. It's practical. It's easy. Um, but, but what I challenge them in the topic of grow is don't, don't take your student from A to Z. Not even throughout the course of a school year. Just consistently ask the question, what's one step that they can take? You know, I've got to know my students. I've showed them that I care about. Now, now what's one step that I can encourage them to take a spiritual growth? And so that's what I want to leave you with. You know, this week, would you brainstorm what is one step that you can take towards a more constant pursuit of Jesus in your life. You know, maybe it's on the side of consuming. You know, maybe it's like, I just need to learn more. I need to up my desire to want to know more. I need to take in. I need to consume. You know, maybe it's on the side of doing. 
Like, yeah, I've, I've consumed a lot. I need to put it into practice. I, I need to exercise it. I need to plug in and demonstrate my faith. I need to live it out. You know, where, where can you take just one step toward a more constant pursuit of Jesus in your life? Well, we're going to close our service today with uh, just an opportunity to pursue Jesus in song. So I'm going to invite the band up. And uh, the last song that we're going to sing today, it just says these words. I want to share this with you. It says, all to Jesus I surrender. All to you I freely give. Now, I love that word all. It's not saying, hey, you know, this area of my life. It's not saying, hey, just my mashed potatoes on my plate. It's saying, no, I want my whole life to be surrendered to Jesus. All to him I freely give. It says, I will ever love and trust you. In your presence I will live. And this to me is, is the prayer of someone's heart who says, I don't want to just consume. I want to live it out. I, I want to demonstrate it. I want to put it into practice. I want to pursue Jesus in every area of my life and progress into spiritual maturity. Now, I want to just end my message by sharing the last verse, uh, last verse of our passage. Our, pers- our passage ends in verse 14. The next chapter starts, ver- uh, chapter 6, verse 1, and it gives us a therefore. It-, it basically says, hey, because of everything that we've talked about, here's the goal for us as a community. And because of all of this, here's what we're aiming for. It's Hebrews 6, 1. It says, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and let us be taken forward to maturity. Let's pray together. Uh, God, I thank you so much for your your challenge. Uh, God, I thank you that you are willing to have difficult conversations with us, that that we find them in your word. God, a conversation like this where where you're going to call us out and you're going to say we should be further along than we are. God, I pray this week that you would give us clarity as to just one step that we could take to make our pursuit of you more constant. God, I pray for those in this room who've been following Jesus for a while. God, would you challenge us? And God, I pray for those in this room who maybe aren't following you and maybe just began to follow you. I pray that you would set this up as this is the goal. This is what we're aiming for. We want to constantly move forward in spiritual maturity. We want to consume information about you, God, but we want to put it into practice. We want it to change us. So, God, we pray that you would move in us in that way. God, I pray as, as people demonstrate their faith that those who don't follow you or those who have just started to follow you, God, that they would see you in them. Now, I think of the mentors who have you know, trained me and equipped me, and I just saw you in them. God, would we be those people? Would we be spiritually mature? In your name we pray, amen.